Today, we talk about one of our unique purposes that we are given by Christ as followers of Christ. Last week, we discussed our approach in spreading or sharing the gospel. We discussed our attitude, our message, and our motivations for doing so. This week, we get to look at a unique way that we are viewed in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, which is also found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, no coincidence, both written by Paul, that we are co-workers of Christ, co-workers of Christ. Through this blessing and this gift, we get to participate in the salvation of others. And I don't know about you guys, but that is, in my mind, pretty awesome. Uh, it's a unique experience that you just wouldn't have if you didn't have that connection with Christ and you weren't sharing your faith. Now, if you've never viewed sharing your faith in that way, seeing yourself as a co-worker of Christ, seeing yourself as part of someone else's salvation experience, then I would suggest that you need to change your perspective. So let's go ahead and dive in. Again, we're going to be 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. All the scripture for today will be up on the screen, but feel free to follow along on your Bible app on your phone as well if that helps you out. 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2 says, So when we could stand it no longer... This is Paul talking about himself and I suppose some of his co-patriots. When we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Now, Paul ends chapter two. This is the beginning of chapter three, but Paul ends chapter two talking about how he has been torn away from the church in Thessalonica. Whatever those circumstances were, whatever was surrounding that, we know severe persecution. It may have been that he was called to another area, another church to minister there, but he was torn away from the church in Thessalonica. He could not personally be there. And out of his love for that church, out of his love for those people, he sent Timothy to continue to minister to that church. And with that uh, sending of Timothy to the church, he sent along with him the best um, co-sign that someone could give somebody. He called him a brother and a co-worker of God in the ministry of Christ gospel. As co-workers of Christ, we are called to strengthen and encourage others' faith and encourage others in their faith. I want to talk about a couple practical ways that we get to do that. How can we, as co-workers of Christ, be an encouragement to others in their faith? Well, the first thing is to pray for them. Here's a unique thing about praying for somebody. You don't have to ask for their permission. You don't have to ask for their permission. You honestly don't even need to know a specific need that that person may have in order to be able to pray for them and in order to be able to ask God to work on their behalf. But we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for one another. I can only speak from personal experience, but I am sure that you have had similar experiences as well. On numerous occasions, I'll receive messages, a text message or a, a Facebook messenger message that just lets me know that somebody's praying for me, right? It happened to me twice this week, once from Zoe, once from Jake. Hey, just wanted you to know, praying for you. They never asked my permission. Zoe's and her family apparently have been praying for me for a while, which I'm honored by. This is the first time she asked for a specific need. Like, what, what's a specific thing we could be praying for? 
They didn't have to know any specifics. They didn't have to know anything, but they prayed for me. And this is what it did. When I got those messages, you all know I struggle with physical pain. This last week and a half has been really bad for me in that department. I also struggle uh, with some emotional issues as well. I have depression. I have clinical anxiety. And the two kind of feed off one another. When I'm in a lot of physical pain, the depression kind of sneaks up on me in a lot of ways. I also experience a lot of anxiety. Uh, just surrounding the thoughts of, man, am I ever going to feel better? Is this always going to be how life is? Um, I get a little down in the dumps. I start throwing myself a pity party. And then I get messages from Jake and from Zoe and from many others that are as simple as, I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you. I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you. What happens in those instances is two things. I instantly physically start to feel better. Now, did I go see a chiropractor? Did I see a doctor? Did I take some form of medicine? No but I instantly physically start to feel better and instantly emotionally I'm more positive all because I know that someone else was carrying me and my burden to the Lord. What it really boils down to is I know that in those times and in those instances where I'm beating up on myself and where I'm not really feeling my best, I can be confident that I am not alone. I'm not alone. And that is one of the best ways that we can encourage others in their faith and in their walk with Christ is just letting them know that they are not alone. When we let somebody know that we're there and we let somebody know that they care about us and we let them know that there was nothing they had to do to receive it. It wasn't asked for. It was just done. It encourages them and it strengthens them. And that's what I know it has done for me. Prayer is a powerful way to show others in your life that you value them, that they have value because you took time out of your day to think about them. And you took time out of your day to pray for them. And if there's one thing that everyone in this room can relate to and understand and know is how busy life can be. We all know what it's like to constantly be running, to constantly be gunning, and to have somebody take just a little bit of their time out of that schedule to think about you, to be concerned about you, to pray for you makes a big difference. And that's one of the ways that we can help others. The second way is to share scripture, to share scripture. Now, uh, Caitlin Gann is my, is who, who first started this from, or Caitlin Gann. You're not Caitlin Gann. You're Caitlin Young's mom. I know another Caitlin Gann. She's not even Gann anymore. She's married. Jeez. Caitlin Young's mom is somebody for me. And I know I'm calling people out and I don't mean to embarrass anybody, but Caitlin almost every day will post on her Facebook page, the, the graphic and the daily scripture from the YouVersion Bible app. And every day it pops up on a notification and on my notifications, Caitlin Youngsma has posted something and I'll click on it because I usually know that that's what it's going to be. And every day I read that scripture and every day it just gives me a moment to kind of take a deep breath, to collect my thoughts, to, to distract me from all the craziness going on around me and to just hear a biblical truth. So I started seeing it all the time on uh, her Facebook page. And so I decided I'm going to go in the app and I'm going to get it for myself. And so now every day, different times of the day, my watch will ding and I'll look down and there is the daily scripture. 
And wherever I am, no matter where I am, I stop, I pause, and I read it. It's usually not more than one verse. In fact, I think it's almost always just one verse, but it makes a major difference. One of the ways that we can encourage others is by sharing what has encouraged us. It's uplifting. It's uplifting. And it helps stabilize people's faith in the, in the instances of their storms. Scripture is a life-giving tool. There's a reason that it's often referred to as the book of life. The book of life. I want you to picture a dead man or dead woman. Let's keep it adult age so it's not really creepy with children. That'll make everybody feel weird. Well, you've all seen this, all right? And, and, and some show or another, Chicago Fire, back in the day with ER, pick one of those shows where somebody is on the table and there's no breath within them, right? And they're kind of just sitting there and you've got the guy on the come on! And then finally they're just like, <gasps> right? Life. Life. You see an instant of death turned instantly to life. Scripture can do that for you. I say that from personal experience. That when you are feeling dead, when you are feeling lifeless, hearing the truth of God can bring you life. And I don't know about you guys, but when these things happen, maybe it's just a coincidence, but when these things happen, when I see this daily scripture, when I hear from somebody that they're praying for me, it always seems to happen at the exact right time, at the time when I need it most. And it takes place all because somebody is willing to take a few moments out of their day to be thoughtful of others and to just let them know that. So when those around you need lifted up, and you know, you know, when those around you need lifted up, pray for them. Share with them where you have found encouragement and what God has done for you. And understand that there is purpose behind this command. And it's found as we continue in verses 3 through 5, which state, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. This is why Timothy was sent to be an encourager in your face so that no one would be unsettled by the trials. We already talked about how the church in Thessalonica was facing crazy amounts of persecution. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. Other translations instead of trials actually say persecution. It says, so you could withstand this persecution because you know that you were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. I know that I am beating a dead horse. This is a message that I have delivered over and over and over again, but it's something that as Christians, we have to be able to really wrap our heads around, especially when it comes to sharing our faith, because we have to help others understand that once you become a Christian, once you accept Christ as your savior, life doesn't just randomly, suddenly, all the sudden, that's what suddenly means, turn into rainbows and unicorns, right? It's not just like all of a sudden life was 
tough. I can't pay my bills and I'm fighting with a loved one and, and now I'm just prancing through a meadow. It's not how it works. We are destined for persecution. As a Christian, you are destined for persecution. It makes logical sense. If you are in right standing with God versus someone who may not be in right standing with God, who is the devil more likely to tempt? The person in right standing with God. He's already got the other person right where he wants them. Right? So logically, we should understand this, that we are destined for persecution. Also, because it tells us over and over and over in Scripture that it's coming. But we need to expect trouble, both from Satan, as referred here as the tempter, and by others who misunderstand our message. John 16.33, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. This is Jesus' words to his disciples, to his followers. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay? There's a message of what's to come, but there's also a message of hope attached to it. Acts 14.22, talking to the people of Antioch, it says that Paul, in verse 22, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven, they said. First Peter 20 through chapter 2, 20 through 21. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. You should follow in his steps. You see, Christ is the ultimate example from the Christian up to and through his persecution and death on a cross. As a Christian, we should expect persecution for doing the right thing. Here's what we need to understand. Christianity has always been counterculture. People like to act like all of a sudden this has been in the last century, the last 10, the last 20 years, our world has taken such a turn and now Christianity is so counterculture and people don't like us anymore. No, people never liked you. That sounded harsh. Christianity has always been counterculture. It has always gone against the norm. It teaches people to have morals and be accountable for their actions. And no one likes rules. It's always been counterculture. The moment we speak out against someone's life choices and lifestyles, we're counterculture. People don't like it. We will be persecuted for it. If we fight against the things that Scripture teaches us as evil in this world, evil is going to fight back. There is no fight or flight with evil. It's just fight. That is until Christ gets involved. But in the meantime, it's just fight. Persecution is par for the course. But one thing that we have to also understand and be able to teach is that persecution is not defeat. Being persecuted is not the same as being defeated. It most often... It most often is the advancement of God's purpose. 
It is the movement of the church taking place. Acts eleven nineteen. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. One man's death, a movement's crazy amount of persecution faced, only fanned the flames. They spread, they continued to share the message. That's what you do when you have conviction about your belief. That's what you do when you truly believe in what you say you believe. For those of us that claim to believe in God that only become silent in the face of persecution, you need to question that belief. That goes for any belief. If you truly believe in something, no amount of persecution, no amount of opposition is going to make you not believe that. Okay? Okay. Romans 5.3 Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance. There is purpose in our suffering. Even in the times, even in the moments when we are going through something that we want no part of, there is purpose. And in those trials and in that persecution, we find perseverance. Perseverance is a necessary life tool to not only finish our race of faith, but to just make it through the day today. In this life, in this world, you are handed nothing. Even in times where it may feel that way, and we see things where we say, well, what about this? What about that? What about... In this life, you are battling. That is a condition of sin. It's a condition of a fallen world. The battle will take place. But can we praise God for it? 2 Corinthians 2.4 Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. Persecution is a gift. Why is that, Pastor? Because it allows us to help others in the moments of their persecution. When you have gone through something in life that is less than fun, oftentimes it can feel like a defeat. But what it becomes is another tool or another skill that you possess to help minister to others, and to help love other people. It's a lot easier to be empathetic, and it's a lot easier to be compassionate when you have experienced a similar issue to someone else. When you can truly say, I have been there. But it gets better. I've been there. I understand how hard the struggle is. Here's what happened to me. Persecution 
is often the beginning of God's movement. The Jews in Egypt before the exit. Before the exodus. Christ before the cross. The disciples and the apostles before the explosion of the early church. Persecution is often present, but movement always follows. One couple more things. Trials, persecution, are not necessarily signs of God's disfavor, but they are a part of your Christian legacy. I think that's a valuable thought to wrap your head around. Something I came across this week that impacted me greatly. Trials are not necessarily signs of God's disfavor, but a part of your Christian legacy. You see, when we face trouble, we often react by doubting that we are where God wants us to be. This must be happening to me because God's angry with me. This must be happening to me because I sinned. This must be happening to me because I made a mistake. Sometimes we face trials, sometimes we face persecution, sometimes we face trouble because that's where God wants us. So the thought, well, if I was doing what God wanted, then this wouldn't be happening is both counterproductive and also very untrue. Just because you're experiencing trouble doesn't mean that God's angry with you. Oftentimes, it means the exact opposite. It means that you're living for God. It means that you're on fire for God. It means that you're trying to push and move for the kingdom and that Satan doesn't want you to. And so if he can distract you, if he can put things in your way, if he can put a stumbling block before your feet, make you trip, make you fall, that's exactly what he is going to do. Victory says, I'm going to keep working for Jesus, even when it's tough. Even when I experience this trouble, understanding that I'm not doing something that God would be punishing me for. It is okay as Christians to have that confidence, to know that we serve a God who loves us, that wants things to work for our favor, and to be confident in the steps that we are taking in life. Just because you are experiencing persecution, just because you're experiencing a crisis, it does not mean that God does not love you. It does not mean that God is punishing you. It does not mean that you deserve it. It means that we live in a sinful world and sin's payment is death. And so we unfortunately have to experience pain and suffering while we are here. As Christ's co-workers, we need to not only remember that, but it is our job to be that reminder for others, to encourage and to lift up in the midst of their battle. Last thing, why is all of this so important? Because together we can fill in the gaps that each other are missing. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.3, or I think, eh, that's not right. Uh, I think it's 3... Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. It's farther down in chapter 3. I think it may be verse 11, but I have a typo, so I typed it wrong. Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what's lacking in your faith. 
What Paul is wanting, what Timothy is wanting, what Silas is wanting is to be a support for the church, to be a support for one another, to help build them up, to help strengthen them. The Bible often uses the analogy of the body of Christ, right? Each one of us is a different part. Each one of us serves a different function. Each one of us together makes the body act in a way that it should, right? And we need every part in order for the body to work the way that it should. But I often see it as a jigsaw puzzle. Each one of us is this piece and we've got bumps and we've got lumps and we've got pieces missing. And all by ourselves, we may not make a whole lot of sense. But when you place each piece together, in the end, what forms is a beautiful picture. What forms together is something that is clarity and beautiful and strong. We can be that for one another. You're my missing jigsaw piece. Each of us has a purpose. Each of us has a design. And within that design, we have areas that are missing. Maybe they're just not as strong as they are for others. But when you put us all together, we form that beautiful picture. Co-workers of Christ come together to make up for each other's shortcomings. And that is the beauty of church. That is the beauty of community. It's the beauty of relationship, whether that be friendship or marriage or whatever else. We are not in this thing alone. This is church. And as part of church, we get to be co-workers with Christ, working in the lives of others to make their lives better and to show them that they are not alone and that they are loved and that they are cared for. And that is awesome. There's no other way to say it. It is awesome. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now, again, thanking you for this day. I can't speak for others, but I know that Sundays bring me life. I need them. I need to be surrounded by my friends and by my loved ones. I need to be surrounded by this church because they make me stronger. They make me a better person. At the end of the day, God, may that be the desire of all our hearts to care for one another and to love for one another in a way that makes us stronger together. In the end, it's not about our will, it's about your will. What you want done, how you want us to view the world. We talk about the two greatest commandments all the time, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. The two greatest commandments that you give us are outwardly focused. It's not about us. So remove us from the equation. May they only see you when they look at us. And yet, in your beauty, in your majesty, 
in your graciousness, we get to be co-workers with Christ. We get to share in the salvation of others and in the lives of others. God, help us to be a church, to be a people, to be a puzzle that's focused on how we can make the world around us a better place. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us right now. Let's worship. I'm going to be down here to pray if you need to pray with me. I'm going to ask Allie to go stand back over here on this side. And Jake will be back over there on that side. If you would like to pray with either of the three of us, please come do so. We want to be able to pray for you. It would be a blessing to us to be able to, to, to share in whatever need that you may have.